Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 43. At the time of this recording, and according to the Zero Block app on my Android phone, Bitcoin is trading at $362. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast today from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty sidekick, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. On today's show, I travel out west for a lively conversation with America's own southern rockin' musician, Shooter Jennings. Shooter is the president of Black Country Rock Media, a fair and intelligently managed music label out of Southern California. Shooter talks to us about the future of music, how Bitcoin is going to play a part in that future, and of course, we talk a bit about good old Nashville, Tennessee. Today on the show, I am more than thrilled to welcome musician, poet, radio host, record label president, and general all-around Southern rock and badass, Shooter Jennings. Shooter, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. <laughs> wow, what an intro. I, I don't think I've ever had an intro like that. i got to hire you to do my publicity. <laughs> hey, I'll do it, man. You can pay me in Bitcoin. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I would love that. Like, I would love to be able to hire people with the Bitcoin thing because it's such a good like investment and gamble in a way because like, not to just kind of jump off, but we put out this single recently called Nashville from Afar, and the day we released it, we kind of flash released it, and we took uh, 50% off for Bitcoin orders. And it was funny because... Because we hold the Bitcoin, but if I were someone who were to sell it, three days later, the price jumped up and it would almost match the dollar that you paid. You know, right. with PayPal, PayPal shut our account down because of all the $1 transactions and all this stuff for two days. It was such a pain in the ass and like Bitcoin was so easy. PayPal sucks, but you know what? We still use PayPal because there are times when it's really convenient. But yeah, I first read about you accepting Bitcoin on Reddit. It says, you know, new single Nashville from afar, 50% off if paid in Bitcoin. So, of course, I went and I bought it, right? It cost me 50 cents. I mean, the deal of the century. And tell our listeners, if you would, how the song begins. Goddamn, I hate his yeah, Nashville. Yeah. And goddamn, I love Guy Clark. Yeah, I love that, man. And it was years ago that I sat and listened to Guy Clark over near Hillsborough Village. He was just stopping by somebody's house up on the porch, and I happened to be walking by. It's like, shit, there's Guy Clark. And I got to sit there and just listen to him pick. It's amazing, man. It's that thrill of hearing somebody that's really good. It's like when I heard that you were accepting Bitcoin. Just thrilled. You know, It's like hearing Russell Brand has heard about Bitcoin, and then hearing Shooter Jennings has heard about Bitcoin. You know, to have somebody of your notoriety who knows that Bitcoin exists. This is huge for the Bitcoin world, man. Well, you know, man, I hope so. I hope that there's ways that I can kind of promote it. I tell you, this is the craziest thing. I knew about Bitcoin and just like all the people in the world out there, like had I bought when I found out about it, I would be like a millionaire now. But I found out about it in about 2010. And I even downloaded a Bitcoin wallet because I was really infatuated with it. I was like looking around on the tour and I yeah. was looking at the Silk Road and all that. It felt like it was so like dangerous and interesting and cool. Yeah. And so I downloaded the wallet, but I never actually knew where to go get it or anything. And so I just kind of let it sit. But I was on my honeymoon with my wife, which we took several months after we got married. And it was in the middle of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And we were in um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico at a resort. And there was a bar, a pool bar there. And I was sitting at the pool bar drinking. And um, this guy sits next to me and tells me that he works for HP and his wife dated a really old friend of mine in Arkansas when they were in elementary school or high school. They were like, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is so weird to run into this person here. You know, we start talking about computers. He says, Bitcoin is where it's at. He said, this is like the future of technology. And he starts telling me about what mining is. And he starts telling me about the blockchain. And I'm sitting there on my honeymoon and my brain just lit up. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, this sounds so crazy. So I was like in the hotel room half the time on my honeymoon researching this stuff. And I was really in just infatuated. See, and because most people think of me as like that their pre- preconceived notion of me is that I'm like, you know, being Waylon Jennings son, I'm probably like motorcycle riding, hunting kind of <laughs> Dude, and I'm not. I'm a computer nerd that lives in Los Angeles and has lived in Los Angeles for 15 years. And when I was a young kid, I used to run a bulletin board service. I used to have a lot of like 
friends and a community online before the internet came about. And then when I moved to LA as a musician, and this is coming back around to that story, I promise. But uh, <laughs> when I moved to LA as a musician, I kind of like let it slide and the music thing kind of took the focus of my life and all that. And when this guy tells me this here in Mexico, something just went off in my head. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized I said, this is my thing. This is hmm. it. I understand this. I understand the mathematics behind it. I understand the concept. I bought a couple minors because I was really interested in the concept of that. Not just like everyone kind of thinks that it's all greed based, but the reality of this is it's kind of like the mining process is similar to that folding at home thing, which everybody was doing with their PlayStations where you're lending your computer power when you're not using it to, you know, research for cancer and things like this. So in this case, to be part of that network felt really cool. And the technology behind the ASIC miners was really interesting to me and just kind of testing that around. So I kind of got into mining for a while. I've just started selling them off. I'll buy one here or there just because I'm interested to see how the new ones work and things. But really, like the blockchain became the thing that I was the most interested in, in the possibility. But when I saw it, it was like, I knew, I was like, this is the thing for me. This is the thing that came along that, you know, most of my friends are not like me, like computer nerds, especially musicians. And they're not into like software and coding <laughs> and things like that, like I am. And I saw this and I just knew it. And it has been that way. And that's why I evangelize. That's why I believe in it. I think it is the most important discovery since the internet. And I think those two discoveries are really pretty much in the last hundred years going to be marked as two of the largest, if not the largest, because I just think that banks will be like Tower Records. Unfortunately, I wish there were Tower Records around. No one's going to wish that there was still a Bank of America on every block, but it's going <laughs> to fall that way, I really do believe. Yeah, I think so, man. You know, everybody knows the banks have too much power. Everybody knows that the game is fixed. Fractional reserve lending, shadow banking. Your average American really just doesn't even know what they do if our media wasn't so bought and sold, right, or so bought. It would be great to have a show that just comes on once a week, you know, Sunday mornings that says, hey, here's what's going on. Here's the truth. Here's how banks are ripping us off. Here's how they're ripping us off on Wall Street. Here's how the politicians are taking all these bribes. Wouldn't that be great to have a Sunday morning show like that? Oh, man. Yeah. And besides that, even just the reality of the Bitcoin thing is the transparency. You know, you can't all of this business that goes on. If you just look at what's happened with the Mt. Gox collapse and all these things, like they're still able to track a lot of this money. And you have people who are out there tracking what they're doing with it. And I just think the transparency is so brilliant. I think the blockchain technology is going to be the thing that frees the art community. They're going to figure out, there's a lot of people with music that are trying to do it. There's bit tunes and then there's uh, peer tracks where they're trying to uh, use it in new ways to kind of create a peer-to-peer -peer music system. Oh yeah. I think that each one of them have good ideas. I'm not, you know, there's still a website and there's still a place that you need to go that belongs to someone else. So there's a centralized angle to it, which, yeah. which I think that's gonna go away. However it works, it's gonna be brilliant. I can't wait for it to happen. I mean, I think about it every day. I would love to be a part of it, but ultimately I would just love for it to finally kind of set things correct and get these iTunes and Spotify's and all these people out of the picture, you know? I agree. And I think we're going to have a transition. I think we're transitioning now. I just interviewed these guys from watchmybit.com. So this is such a cool site and it's still in beta and they allowed me to go there. I got to pick a video I wanted to watch. I took out my phone, my mycelium wallet. I scanned the QR code for that video. I paid the content creator seven cents and then i got to watch this great video of this girl busking on the street playing a uh, squeeze box an accordion great little song it lasted i don't know two or three minutes this made me feel so good it made me feel like i was tipping somebody on the street throwing 50 cents or a buck into their guitar case or into their hat and i thought cool that seven or eight cents is going to go directly to her and it made me feel so much better than just sitting there like a couch potato you know taking youtube video after youtube video you know and having to sit through their crappy ads right and knowing the advertisers are getting most of the money and they're sending, you know, one thousandth of a penny over to the guy who created this. You know what I'm saying? It just made me feel really good to be actually giving somebody money. And the fact that it was so fast using my phone and Bitcoin, it blew me away, man. It was so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's brilliant, too. I think that what the problem is, and I think essentially what is going to be have to be worked out is the convenience of YouTube is a mess because there are people, if you just think about someone who has no idea about any of this. 
this. They just assume all musicians are rich and making money out there and they have a phone and their phone comes with YouTube and they're like, man, I want to hear that Diane Twood song. (laughs) And they like (laughs) go on their phone and they pull it up and they listen to it with their buddies. And that's the end of the story. And there's no second thought to it. There has to be an awakening involved in this and all of this in a very, you know, social consciousness kind of way that that I think is the thing that will change things when people understand that. The reason why the currency side of the blockchain and Bitcoin is so important in getting people to embrace it is because at this point in time, people don't realize that they're not in control of their own money, that they're handing it over and that they're basically asking for what they need when they need it. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people realize that they can be fully in control, I mean, I'm just going back to that single we put out and all the hell we had with PayPal for three days. They all of a sudden wanted my tax ID because I was getting all these transactions that they're already taking 40 cents on nearly. And, mm. and all of this, you know, shut us down for two days. We lost all kinds of sales, like 40, 50, 60 sales in the first day, um, just based on the fact that PayPal had shut us down. And Bitcoin went so flawlessly. And there it was. You put out a single and there's there's all of a sudden money in the account. People don't realize how much easier it could be. You know, I think once people start realizing that they're in control of their money, then things like, um, watch my bit, the process can even be more streamlined. Similar to the way ChangeTip is doing things because what's so brilliant about that is that's a wallet, that's a Bitcoin wallet that people don't realize that they're having a wallet. They just have an account on the site and they see money floating around and that's kind of brilliant. I think eventually if you want to watch it, you just watch it and you know that seven cents goes out of your account. And once that convenience is there mobily, artists will start not putting their things on YouTube and putting them in these other places that's and right. making sure that they don't end up on YouTube. Just like Taylor Swift pulling her shit off Spotify. I thought that was brilliant. And then all of a sudden a bunch of other artists are doing it and it's kind of like a mini mutiny. Yeah. And it's like, good for them, man. Nobody signed off on this. No artist signed off on this fucking deal and was like, you know, it's a mess. Like it's free. You're getting everything for free. Like I understand, like I had people arguing because we're like, we're not putting anything else in Spotify as well. And, and they were like, I would have never heard your music if it hadn't been for Spotify. And this is bullshit. And <laughs> Spotify is so good for music. And, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not. I mean, we had that uh, Jamie Johnson, you're my sunshine thing that, that we did with Twiggy Ramirez from Marilyn Manson. We put it out. We had like 558,000 spins and we made $32 off that. Damn, dude. And that's like, you know what I mean? That's like, it's not about the money, but it's about like being able to make art and survive off the commerce of that art has gone way down and that that needs to change. That's right. And you know what? The guys from watchmybit.com, I said, do you want me to give a message to Shooter Jennings? I'm going to be interviewing them. And they said, wow, that's so cool. They said, yeah, tell Shooter that Watch My Bit is going to be feeding starving artists in the future. And you know what? Here's the thing. So what you're doing, you're offering your single Nashville from afar for 50% off. You know, Patrick Byrne, who owns overstock.com, he's a smart guy because he's saying, you want to buy something from overstock.com i'll give you a discount if you use bitcoin that's the smart stuff that's going to draw people in so if we have celebrities like you and then let's say people like russell brand let's say he has a new comedy routine but it's only available on let's say uh watch my bit or some other platform where you can only pay with bitcoin well what are the fans of russell brand going to do if they don't have bitcoin they're going to do what they're going to go out and get bitcoin right people who want to hear shooter's new single or shooter's new album and they want to get 10 percent or 20% off, and the only way to do that is paying with Bitcoin, they're going to go out and they're going to find a way to get Bitcoin. So this is a way to draw people in, right? Yes, and I think the other step that's really hard, and I watched this happen with some of my fans over the weekend, the hardest step in becoming part of Bitcoin is finding a place to get them. A lot of people stumble across scam sites. Even though there are resources online, like we use coins and stuff that explain this, people don't really know how to get it, you know, what I think would be an awesome move is if you were an artist that say was in a pretty good position, like Russell Brand, like what you could do is you could do a cross promotion with a wallet like FIVA, and then you could give a free like $2 of Bitcoin in the wallet to everyone that signs up based on your promotion. Nice. Because this way you're skipping, they don't have to go to, through that confusing step of like putting their bank account and getting cleared. Like you instantly like give them a couple bucks worth. Nice. And then I think that might be a, a good way to really instantly get people to easily convert. Tony Sackage from BitPay has become a really good friend of mine and he's helped me a lot with a lot of things we were doing. 
and like Bitcoin Black Friday, they're very heavily involved in. Coming up on that day, we're going to offer our first four 12-inch vinyls that we put out at the end of the year, or really earlier this year, which was the Jamie Johnson, Twiggy Ramirez, and me doing You're My Sunshine, and the B-side, which is like 13 minutes long of insanity. And then there's a Waylon... Uh, reissue called Right for the Time Remembered on Yellow Vinyl. And we have uh, Jesse Coulter live from Kane's Ballroom. And then I have a live record. So we're going to have all four of those available for $10 in Bitcoin. Usually they're $22, but we're going to sell those for $10 in Bitcoin. And then we're going to sell the entire catalog that we have, digital releases at 75% off with Bitcoin. And then we're going to also offer my newest record, Don't Wait Up for George, on vinyl and... Uh, digitally as well as a discounted rate and then we have a um, thing that we're doing at the label called the bcr mixtape and it's a cd and a cassette we have two different versions of it but we had a lot of stuff we did for record store day and so like we've basically put all of that on this cd plus two new songs by me plus some other things like but there's like a mick foley seven inch that we have coming out at record store day that will be on this nice. and um the ron jeremy classical piano thing we did which is awesome and hilarious is also on it and we're going to take pre-orders for that at a really discounted rate as well on bitcoin black friday so we're going to kind of just go out all out and and really give like 50 percent to 75 percent off everything that we have and even more in some cases just so that we can hopefully inspire people to join this and you know bitcoin black friday is usually for people that already have it but we're going to do a lot of incentives to get people to really take it seriously you know i love it man and you know what the funny thing is that when bitcoin price is down when it's low people stay away from it <laughs> and we'll see it again man as soon as the price starts going up when it clears 500 again and starts towards six seven eight which i have no doubt it will and heads back towards a thousand you're going to see everybody and their mother coming out of the woodwork and wanting to get into bitcoin again it's kind of a greed thing you see it in other markets too with commodities and investors and whatnot but the good thing is that this time around we have so many new companies set up we have so many new people involved that when people do start looking into it, their friends say Bitcoin skyrocketing, and they start looking into it for the first time. There's all of this information that wasn't out there when you first found out about it or when I first found out about it, right? Because, man, I remember when I first found out about it, same as you, like I wanted to get some, but I can't find any place to get some. I bought my first Bitcoin on eBay. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. I bought my first one on eBay and then I applied for Mt. Gox and I got denied. Oh, no. <laughs> and Coinbase was just starting and they let me in nice and i was like all right and i still use coinbase i mean it's so easy like i'll buy a third of one yeah me too just kind of stockpile them and all that and and over the years with the mining and stuff man i've got a great little savings account better than i ever had i never kept up with money like that and i have accountants that like deal with my checks and all this stuff and it's so hard with that to keep up with the money but i'll tell you what i have a savings account on a treasure that is just sitting there and protected. I'm such like a Mission Impossible nerd. I have like <laughs> actually a paper wallet that's stuck to my wall and I have keys hidden in different places all around Los Angeles. And, oh, and if shit. anything ever went down, I know I could transfer the treasure to that key and I could tell somebody, go here and look behind this painting that's stuck on this wall or whatever. Like, there's a key there and there's a second key over here. I mean, it's like a contingency plan, but it's something that I do believe will be long lasting. You know what you've just inspired, man? You've just inspired everybody in Los Angeles to go out to all of the <laughs> coffee shops and start looking behind the paintings for those, man. <laughs> the search is on. Get out there, people. <laughs> I know. It's like that free, what was that free money guy who was giving away money in different areas of town? He did one here where he was like, put like five grand in an envelope and hiding it and getting hints where it was. And that's funny stuff. I'd love to ask you about being in Nashville. See out here, it's a hotbed for this. I mean, there's two ATMs in town. There's Andreas Antonopoulos and all those people yeah. come to town and do these things. Like there's a lot of activity in Los Angeles because California is very supportive of it and not going to regulate it. So I think that a lot of the action is happening in LA, not in Silicon Valley. So it feels like I also happen to be in the right town for it. So yeah. I'd like to know what Nashville is like. Yeah, let me ask you first. Now, do you have any topless beaches there in the Los Angeles area? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in Vegas, there's plenty of them. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I think that, you know, you know how people in L.A. look at sex. I mean, you know, the kids on their way to school when they're five years old, they look out the school bus window and like they see prostitutes and all this crazy stuff. Well, you know, I grew up in Indiana and the same thing for people here in the Bible Belt in Tennessee. You know, they'll ride that bus past cornfield 
fields, you know, until they're in high school, and they'll never even see two people on the sidewalk kissing. So my point is that we're as progressive here when it comes to Bitcoin as we are when it comes to sex and just like... Um, Open minded, <laughs> open mindedness about sex. In other words, man, we don't have a Bitcoin ATM. <laughs> We've got one high end restaurant called Flight World Dining and Wine that accepts Bitcoin. And as far as I know, that's the only place in all of Nashville. Now, there's a couple places in Murfreesboro that are like 30 minutes south of here, but that's it, man. See, that's wild, man. But I mean, it's yeah. anytime you say that. But like in this town, when I first moved here 15 years ago, there were still some prostitutes around like Santa Monica Boulevard. But nowadays, there's nothing like that. It's like, I, I miss that. I mean, it's like where it was in New York, you know, and when Hot Times Square used to be seedy and like porno shops. And, and that's the way Hollywood Boulevard was even when I first moved here. And it's completely clean now. But the thing, the other side of your coin that you said that's not so fully true, I think, <laughs> is that Nashville is getting so overrun by people. I mean, dude, it's insane. The traffic there oh, and everything man. like that they're tearing down these buildings, bringing high rise. You guys are becoming like like a little mini melting pot, like a little mini LA. So I wouldn't imagine that within a couple of years you'll have the prostitutes and the signs, and we'll be looking <laughs> like Nashville out here. But you know, you know, I think you're right, man. I think Nashville's growing so fast. People are afraid it's going to become an Atlanta. And you know, one thing we don't like in the neighborhoods, like for instance, my neighborhood used to be more of a good eclectic mix of people. Maybe the guy living over there was a bartender. That guy's a musician, and we still have a lot of that. But as some of the older people. People die and their houses go up for sale. Contractor comes in, tears it down, builds a McMansion, sells it for $450,000 to a doctor or a lawyer or a young IT guy doing IT for St. Thomas or Baptist Hospital. You know, all of a sudden the demographic changes. And just in the past two years, the people selling baby strollers must be getting rich, man. Because, I mean, you're talking baby stroller central around here. And half the women, they're not just pushing the baby strollers, but they're made up like they're going to some kind of a fancy ball or something. And they're talking on their cell phones at the same time while they're pushing their baby carriage. I'm like, my God, I don't want to live in that kind of a neighborhood. Yeah. That's the shit that's scaring me, man. <laughs> it's funny because see out here, I live in Silver Lake and that was like the hip spot in like Brooklyn. It's kind of the Brooklyn of LA. Okay. And like all of the, but I was all bearded hipsters, like crazy <laughs> with big mustaches and stuff. And I swear to God, if 90% of them here and in Brooklyn took off and moved to Nashville because oh, all of a shit. sudden- all of a sudden, it's a lot better around here. And every time I go there, it's like it's like bearded, curly mustache guys hanging out, drinking PBR. I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. Dude, <laughs> I you're traded killing. it out. I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they promised me. They said, you know, it was Austin for a while, right? And now it's Nashville. Trust me, it'll be someplace else, and they'll be going somewhere else. But I don't know, man. But just yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. All those bearded people, all the woodsman's beards and the handlebar mustaches that came here. They left in droves. <laughs> To go to Nashville. I mean, I hear people all the time that that'll be like, "Hey, man, I moved to Nashville next week," and I'm like, "Good lord!" I mean, and God, man, I grew up there and I missed it when I moved here 15 years ago. There was a good 10 years where I was like, "Oh man, I just miss it." I just hope one day I can go back. Yeah. But now, when I go back, and I don't mean to diss your town because I because I love Nashville, what it was, and and hey, man, I would kill for San Antonio Taco Company. I would kill for it every day of the week. But I check out East National. I mean, I can't believe how many people are here and I can't believe this traffic. And it's not like crazy. It's not the Nashville like Broadway crowd. It's like the people who follow Jack White, including the Black Keys and all those people. And just what it's become is so wild and out there. And I mean, I just, you know, I hope the best for it, but I really hope they don't tear down too many landmarks and try to turn the city into something else. And then all of a sudden everybody leaves and it's just a disaster. You know what I mean? I agree, man. Nashville has a history of tearing down old landmarks. I don't remember the name of the building, but it was right there on West End at uh, Blakemore, Wedgwood, whatever it is, where they tore down that beautiful old historic building and they built a Walgreens. They're like, man, this is ridiculous shit. Yeah. And so when you wrote those lyrics <laughs> referring to East Nashville, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, and I was just talking, I mean, there's just so many, like, I, I just know a lot of musicians. My manager and I knew that I was going to probably get a lot of people mad at me because I have a lot of friends that live in that area. But but the reality is, is that like, I never fit in with any group, but like with that whole kind of crew of the new Nashville, like hipster thing, like those hipsters do not dig me. I'm like <laughs> dumb mainstream to them for whatever that's worth. Or I, I don't even know what their opinion of me is. But the point is, is that every time I go there, I feel like for a lack of a better word that I got raped. Like I got date, like I got roofied and I woke up and I'm just like gathering my stuff and going to the airplane. Like I just kind of 
have this feeling and I just like it's the truth every time I go there I end up at the gold rush because they usually stay at the lows and I just walk to the gold rush and my family's been going to the gold rush since my brothers and sisters were kids and so it's like one of those things where I end up sitting over there with my friends and then somebody every once in a while will say let's go to Foo Bar in East Nashville or something I'll be like Okay. And then we go and we get there and, and it's just curly mustaches looking at me like, <laughs> like I'm a football player or something. And I just kind of like, okay, I think we should go. You know what I mean? I end up getting like too drunk because I'm not comfortable. And so I just, I hear people talk like how much they love it. And it just annoys me because it just seems like people from like Florida that moved to Brooklyn 10 years ago, were going like, God, it's just so awesome over here. Or it's so awesome in Silver Lake. It's the same kind of like drivel. It's not people who have lived in East Nashville for years. Like I loved Woodland Studios and I had a girlfriend that lived right off of Woodland back there, back in the day when you like you didn't want to be out at night. There was a drug dealer that used to operate a um, ice cream cart and at three in the morning he'd come rolling around the entertainer oh, would be playing and you knew that like get out of the streets like, <laughs> there, like that area was rough you know and and i just think that like there's a bunch of like dick sucking going on around there that just drives me crazy so in that song i just it was kind of like my fuck you nashville song in a way just like you burst me from your loins and now <laughs> Now I go there and I just feel like I couldn't be more of a foreigner and it just made me feel bad. So it was like kind of my song of just saying, well, if I come there, you'll find me at the gold rush. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man, I love the song. and Thank you. Yeah, I completely feel what you're saying in the song. The song, if you haven't heard it, anybody listening, Nashville from afar, a great single. You can get it for 50% off if you pay in Bitcoin. That's 50 cents. That's the deal of the century. And, you know, Shooter, I know it offends people, and I understand that. And you're not saying this is what it's like for everybody here, and you're not saying that there aren't good things here. You nailed it on the head. It's really my experience of it. And, you know, at this point in time, I'm not a Nashvilleian anymore. I've spent almost half of my life, and in a couple of years, I will have spent exactly half of my life here in Los Angeles. And this is really, I moved here when I was 20. This is my drinking years. This is my, my you know, the, the bars that I know and the bartenders that I've known. I married one of the bartenders that I knew when I first moved here, who's the best wife any man could ever ask for. So I know my life is, is here, and I have children here, and I have all that, you know. So I do. I just like, you know, I love you. But I have to visit you in spurts, and I prefer to be, to just my view, to be from afar, because I know every time I go there, I get sucked into some kind of thing that leaves me feeling bad. God damn, I hate East Nashville. God damn, I love God Clark. I came too soon at the full Too late in Centennial Park. Should drain your soul and poke a hole in everything you are. Nashville from afar She's a constant reminder There's always a bigger star Well the stars are getting smaller Here at the Gold Rush Barn She's always showing up In a wedding dress In a dirty old beat-up car I've talked to Eddie Stubbs I buy my souvenirs at Manuel's And my drugs at Ernest Tubbs All my fires all get clingy Feeling like a baby made of talk Until the third man needs a fourth man I need Nashville from afar Stars are getting smaller here at the Gold Rush Bar. She's squealing in her wedding dress in the back of some hillbilly's car. Always down to screw, and I prefer my view of Nashville from afar. Yeah, I'm down to screw, but I prefer my view of Nashville from afar. 
And that's kind of essentially the sentiment of the song. I wrote it, honestly, I went to bed one night and I couldn't fall asleep. And I just, the whole song kind of came to me and I texted it to my manager and he was like, I love that song. He's like, that first line is great. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can put this out, you know, and and I didn't know where I was going to do with it. So when this BCR mixtape 2014 that we're releasing came up, I had that and another song that I had recorded. And I said, hey, this is it. Let's put them on here. Nice. And uh, this would be a good example, good way to sell this thing with the mix and the Ron Jeremy and all that. and uh-huh. Because with those things, with Record Store Day, you print up a 1,500 supply of the vinyl and that's it. Okay. You can put it digitally online later, but it never really gets a CD incarnation or another vinyl unless you decide to reprint it. So we knew that doing kind of a look back at the year release, I would like to do that every year with our label because we, like next year, we have some of the wildest shit coming out. I, mean, we're, I did a 7-inch um, on Billy Ray Cyrus that I produced. I've got some stuff on Leroy Parnell. I'm going into the studio with... Uh, uh, Julie Roberts, who was a great nice. country singer. I'm doing some stuff with Rob Zombie. I've got oh, yeah. this Giorgio Moroder tribute record coming out at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to have another full length at the end of the year. So I know we're going to have, like, and, and even uh, Mr. Belding from the Saved by the Bell, we're doing a seven inch oh, nice. on him for uh, Record Store Day. He's a singer. So we've got, we've got some wild things, some funny things, some really, really awesome, beautiful projects. And um, I just know that. I'd like to have a kind of look back every year, but I can tell you right now that I will be 100% dedicated to Bitcoin and to the development of the correct next step musically with Bitcoin. And I'm like at a point where I can't sleep at night. It's like a Rubik's cube that I can't solve (laughs) about like how exactly to use this blockchain to correctly do this deal where it'll protect the transparency of sales and there will be no middleman. Yeah. And it'd be as easy as that guy who's like, I want to hear that new Diane twerk, like where he's going to pull up his phone and be able to stream it uh-huh. just like he does with Spotify. Right. But the micropayments go directly to the artist. Yep. And, uh, that's right. And if he wants to buy it, he can buy it, but it, it's got value. So yep. well, it'll happen. And I'm working with the Content Creators Coalition thing uh, a little bit oh, nice. on, on the same kind of thing. So I just hope that, that we can find a solution. It would be nice to meet one of these Bitcoin venture capitalists that would invest in the development of this and it not be something like, you know, bit tracks or whatever. Like, I don't think that's the answer. I think that the answer has to be developed at a very fundamental base level of using the blockchain to copyright and permanent. I mean, look, the blockchain is the only time in history mm-hmm. that we have a decentralized, undeletable record of history that right. is permanent and a ledger that is backed up a million times over across the world. So that changes copyright and publishing instantly. Like I can publish a book right now. I can attach the document in a uh, smart contract or I could send you a half a penny in Bitcoin and attach my new book. Yeah. And that would be forever logged and published in the blockchain. If someone, you know, wrote something later that was similar to it, there would be no arguing. It would stand up in court. Although it's never had to happen that way, it will happen that way. And yeah. and I think that if, if we can figure out that way to do that musically, attaching the wallet, the owner to the music, to the record, and it'd be permanently done that way and it'd be transparent. And I know that most artists and labels are not going to like that, but, but the reality is, is that if people can see when they pay 50 cents, that 50 cents is going to that wallet yeah. and uh, they know that artist is getting paid directly. I think once it becomes second nature and everyone just knows that everything they buy, it's always going to pay the artist. It'll just be easy, you know? So I think it's coming for sure. Yeah, it's coming. And, you know, this is such a world of the middleman. And, you know, we wouldn't be so on fire about Bitcoin if historically humans were a little different, if our brains were a little different. And if the middleman didn't every time try to rip somebody off, try to rape somebody, if the middleman had always been fair, hey, we'll only take, you know, two, three, four, five percent. But that's not the way it is with human nature. The middleman will take as much as they can. I mean, time has proven that. So, yeah, when we can get rid of the middleman, when we can have true peer-to-peer, hey, Shooter, I love your music. I want to give you some dollars or some bitcoins or some gold for it. How about it? Yeah, that's fair. Shooter gives me the music. It's excellent. That's his end of the bargain. My end of the bargain is I give Shooter some money or some bitcoin or some gold or silver. That's my end of the bargain. Done deal. We don't need somebody in the middle trying to take their cut, right? I mean, come on. Not at all, man. Not at all. And it's terrible the way it's set up because iTunes has done some good things to help us promote. I like some of the people that work at iTunes that I've met, but the reality 
is they take 30%. They came in when there was no one around. Hmm. They stake their claim and they started this. Now, yeah. they take 30%, but then you have TuneCore, who I use, who is <laughs> worse than anybody. They charge you off the ass for every little mode. And then in five years, if you don't keep your account and you don't pay, your, your shit gets taken off the internet. What you really could be doing is putting it out there um, and people directly getting it. But, you know, that will come. But the big, oh, my gosh, that's happening is that now iTunes sales are slipping dramatically because everyone is streaming. That's right. So they so like they've moved to this and YouTube is getting in the music game, which is BS yep. because they want to just try and come in and squeeze it even harder uh, for more cash grab, you know. And so I think... You're right. We'll get it there, but if you're you're establishing streaming connections that are directly from the artist, if there's a platform like the Open Bazaar project is really fantastic because oh, yeah. the way that that network works is just like the Bitcoin Core network. When you open it, you become a node and you're connecting the deal. That's what we need yep. essentially in a streaming type app that works as a node and then the artists have an application that they run on their computer that's very easy to set up, similar open bazaar, but it becomes a node for you, the artist, and it becomes connection node for the listener. Yep, absolutely. So I think that we we take something, a system like that, make it very easy. And I think within five years, we can get rid of all of them. iTunes be wiped out. Spotify will be wiped out. Just like, you know, just like everything in history. Yep. Just like progress. It takes us a while to figure out how to defeat the, the imperialists. That's right. It always happens, though. Yeah, absolutely, man. I interviewed those guys with Open Bazaar a couple of weeks ago, and I love the whole concept of it. They call it, if eBay and Tor got together and had a baby. Yeah, oh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's still got some bugs, and like with me, I'm having some issues with the ports sometimes, like connecting to other uh, other stores, but that'll all be fixed by the first you know, uh, really non-beta. And I think we should really be looking at that and the Bitcoin core as the models for the music business, I think. Absolutely, man. And you know what? If anybody's listening out there and you are a venture capitalist, hey, give Shooter a call, man, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be paid. I just want someone to actually be able to fund coders because like I stopped coding at one point and I think that the right team of coders or people believe in this, like, you know, that's all we need to make this happen. And I think once it happens, it'll be like Napster, but people will realize that it's paying the artists for what they're doing and it's probably at a bigger discounted rate you know because like i give 30 percent to itunes i would be happy to cut my prices 30 percent for this i sure. would be happy to give part of that 30 percent to someone else now this is where bittunes has a good idea and this is something i had actually had an idea for also as well so when i saw this implemented i said maybe this one step closer but one thing that bittunes does which is kind of interesting is they let and if you turn someone else on to me and say you share my new album with a friend or you let them hear it and they buy it or they start streaming it. Mm -hmm. Because you turn them on to it, you get like a 10% cut of the sale. Nice. And I think like if that, I mean, again, I give 30 plus percent to iTunes and PayPal and all the different, like I would be more than happy to give that 10% to the person who helped turn it on. And that gamifies it and makes people want other people to buy records so that they can get some money back. And yep. I think that model is really good. I think that's the, the way to accelerate the new platform. I love it, man. I would love to talk to anyone who who's a developer I would love to talk to anyone who has ideas like that, you know? So basically, you need the guys coding, of course. But then you need someone like Shooter Jennings who says, look, I've been in the music business all my life, basically, right? You're 35 years old. You've been in the music business for 35 years, <laughs> you know, on and off, right? But yeah, man. they need somebody... Yeah, they need somebody like you who knows about album sales, who knows about Spotify, who knows about YouTube, who knows about iTunes, who knows about these things, who knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of them that can lead the coders to get it right. So you need a little bit of capital, you need a little bit of venture capital, something like this, man. I don't know if you have ever heard of this guy lives in Los Angeles or Pasadena area. I knew him years ago in San Francisco. Brilliant guy. His name is Christian Jones, and I have not been able to find this guy. Yeah. So if you know of anybody that knows Christian Jones, he knows a ton about music he knows a ton of people in tech super sharp guy if you can find this guy man he'd be a great guy to work with and i can't find him man you know facebooking and all this stuff i can't find the guy huh, I, you know what i'll look I, i'll ask around man you know la is a pretty small town really and and uh and you know and another thing another factor and i will look for him because i think that'd be a good idea i mean anybody that i can meet that i can you know network with in this town about this because oh, yeah. you know there's a couple people out there in the bitcoin world that are just interested in trying to make money on it and you usually have to kind of weed those people out you know it's like the mining community i mean the reality with the miners is i run them for three months 
and my bill is high and I make a marginal profit on that. It's really more to me about being part of the network, supporting the network and the technology. It's like yeah. buying these machines, opening them, rebuilding them and stuff. I'm into that. But That's anyway, cool. um, but I think the other factor is too, man, and I'm not saying that I know this many people, but I do know like, like for instance, Tom Morello is a person who's been a dear friend of mine for many years. And I've tried to tell him, and it's been a while since I had a conversation with him about Bitcoin. But when I did, he, if anybody, he would be the first to jump on board with this but because he's not really a computer person or a tech person. At first, it's just a little too much for him. So there's like got to be, I'm sure now he's heard more about it and everything like that, but I know that he's one of the first people that would champion it. And I think if there was a format, I know a lot of artists, man, that if there was this platform and it was in development that was very simple, that would work on either a mobile phone or a computer at home and your manager could run your node or whatever it is, your record label. It has to be record label friendly because we're never going to get Sony and BMG and all those people if it's just helping the artists out. You know, because there will always be a need for record label as long as there will be a need to pay a publicist or things like that if you haven't figured out a way to do it. I mean, I run my own record label. It's not like Sony or BMG. We don't have millions of dollars to work with, but we find people who are passionate and do things like that. But you have to make the model friendly. Yeah. To the record labels. But I do know that there are a lot of huge artists that if they realized there was this other system in the works and what it could do for the next generation of phone users and things like that, I know they would get on board with this. You know what I mean? They'd be there. They'd be there. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Unquestionably. And your record label is Black Country Rock BCR, Yeah, right? that's it. And it, BCRmedia.com is is where you can buy everything and kind of keep up with what we're doing. I've had the label as a name since 2008, and I've owned the masters of everything we've done. But it wasn't until the end of last year that my manager, uh, the Colonel John Hensley, who's uh, you should hang out with, by the way. He lives in Bowling Green. And he comes to Nashville quite a bit. And Oh, cool, man. I'll make sure you guys uh, go hang out because you'd love him. He's a wild motherfucker. But he <laughs> and I are like best friends. We became best friends uh, years ago and, and just started working together and everything. And he really was like, look, we're going to make this a real label. We're going to get you away from all these other things. And we've done that. And we, we really made a lot of vinyls. We made a lot of releases. We had 16 releases over the last year. We're going to have another at least that many next year, if not more. And we're, we're really just trying to show people that we're not the type of person where if you like want to become a big star, you come to us because that's it's not necessarily going to be that way. We do have a lot of new artists and older artists. I have a band called Last Days from New York that I produced the record. That's coming out. You know, We're using kind of the third man model a little bit, but our focus mm -hmm. is on the future. And our focus is also you know, on changing those things, incorporating those things, Bitcoin and all that, as well as you know, doing vinyl and even cassettes. And, and we still do CDs. We're, you know, but, but the reality is, is like what I want to prove is that it really, there's, it's just mostly a bunch of bullshit that everyone's being fed. And if you want to really make real music, you can. You can put it out there. You can use different methods to get people's attention. And it doesn't have to be this same old game, the same old, like, <laughs> the Americana Awards, or the same old, like, nonsense and in, in-the-box thinking that everyone operates on. Yeah. Because it's that's a dead model. And we are moving towards the future. And if you don't get on board with Bitcoin musically, you don't get on board with new technology musically, then you're never going to function. So that's what we kind of, we just want to be a label that is a label of the future. And we also want to be a label that's going to think and get artist music out there and do everything we can to kind of embrace new coming technology and maybe even lead the forefront in many ways. I love it. You're a future looking company. And I have to ask you, if you will, for just a second to go back in the past with me, man, because I moved to Nashville in 2000 it's when I moved out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I was hanging out with these cats over at Brown's Diner. I don't know if you know Brown's. Oh, Diner. I love that place. Yeah, you gotta love oh, it. I used to go there all the time. <laughs> I'm telling you, so I'm hanging out with these cats and this guy comes up to me. And I'm wearing this little cowboy hat. This guy comes up to me, and says, your hat's too small. And I, I misheard him. I said, my head's too small. He said, no, your hat's too small. And this guy's name was Boots Hill. I don't know if you know Boots Hill. He used to be a drummer. I don't know for who, but he owned a little place down on Second called Windows on the Cumberland. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Boots. Yeah, yeah. This is crazy, right? So Boots says this is going to kill you, dude. Boots. <laughs> Boots says to me one night, "I'm going to take you out and show you Nashville, man." I'm like, "Whatever, let's go." So we go out and we're drinking, and he takes me. To, I don't even know where it was now, but you, you, you probably know where it was. He said, "I'm going to take you to see Shooter Jennings." I said, "Who's Shooter Jennings?" He said, "You idiot, that's Waylon Jennings' son." <laughs> and I said, "You're kidding." So we go in there, and you're there. You've got this long, like red velvet frock coat on. You've got long oh, black man. hair. You're sitting, dude. You're sitting down at the 
keyboard and you're playing. I'm like, what in the Waylon's in the audience. And I think, I don't know if your mom was there. Or not. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. <laughs> and I'm, I know exactly I, I turned, you were at the outer limits. Is that, that was, was that, that it? You're kidding complex me. where they had all those different clubs and they had, um, Oh, that's right, man. You're had, killing like, me. Skin on the walls. Like that was my old band. And that was right before we moved to LA. It was right before. It was so cool. I remember being there and thinking, this is Nashville, man. This is not what I thought about Nashville. I just thought it was twang. And this dude's up here doing this kind of indie stuff. I don't even remember what kind of stuff you were doing, but I was blown away by it. And I remember asking Boots, should I take my hat off so people in back can see? He's like, this is Nashville, man. You don't take your hat off for anybody. <laughs> oh, man. What a trip. Is that dude, crazy or what? Like is it? one of the few shows that I ever played in Nashville with that band. And I mean, embarrassingly, I, I remember it being not that awesome of a show, but it was a it was a it was really a showcase for John Colodner who had come to town to check out our band. But um Okay. But like that would dude, that's so funny. That was that was like the, a very weird moment that you got to see there at that show. And then we moved. I mean, that's what a what a trip that we're talking in there. <laughs> and dude, Brown's Diner, when I was in high school, I used to go there all the time and I could get beer and I was under age <laughs> and I did those burgers dude were the oh, best burgers I've ever had in my life I miss those they're still the best burgers in the world in my opinion man I haven't been back there in probably a year I gotta get back they expanded with that whole big expansion but there's still I think wasn't it just a trailer it looked like a railroad car just the smallest little place man I had so much fun I used to walk from there or stumble <laughs> down into Hillsborough Village to go to the Villager Tavern right <laughs> oh yeah I love that place too man wow I used to go to the iguana. I remember oh, yeah. over there. Man, I love, I love that. I've heard that Brown's Diner has become like the hipster spot, so it's always really full. Oh, that's but, uh, sad, but, man. man. Yeah, I know, man. And you know, you—it's so funny. Like, you know where Mel, Melrose Pool Hall is? That's yeah. like my favorite. That that besides the Gold Rush, that's my other favorite place to go. And it's always has been. When I was leaving town, we used to drink like Mind Racers there all the time. <laughs> over there, that area, dude, that used to be all whorehouses. Like when I was a kid, there was like a string. There was like Don's Whirlpool and like Kotokyo Sauna, and like there were friends of mine, like. I never banged a whore, but there was a lot of friends of mine that were in like 18, 19 years old that would go over there and get hookers drunk late at night and stuff. Like That's on 8th, right? Yes. Yeah, they shut them all down and it's now all, you know, nice and shit. But back in the day, like you want to talk about like prostitutes in Los Angeles, I was used to it when I got here because of that shit. You know? Damn, man, that's craziness. Yeah, man. I love that stuff. Right there by where, you know, you're talking. Now, what was the little bar that was right there by Melrose? Sutler. The Sutler. So the Sutler's gone, which is totally sad, right? We played a show there, actually. With uh, Once I had my Put the O Back in Country record out, when we came back to Nashville, we did like a surprise show at the Sutler, and I loved that place. But, but the you know, Melrose Pool Hall, the bar and everything is all still intact. They have a new Melrose that serves food across the ways, but, but it's still awesome. You can smoke in there and drink, and it's a good old time. I still support the Melrose Pool Hall big time. I do Anytime I do an interview in town, I make them go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Good old memories. There's still little pockets of Nashville that are cool, and I know that uh, when the next big city uh, comes on, maybe it'll be Asheville, right, uh, which is just down the way here from Nashville. Just take the N off of Nashville, and it's Asheville, folks. That's the place to be, Asheville. That's the new place to be. Maybe uh, maybe the town will get back to chilling out a little bit and getting back to its roots, and maybe the hipsters will be out of Browns, and you and I can meet there for a burger sometime, man. Man, I would love that. I also hope that they don't tear down too many old, like, Nashville staples before that happens. Yeah, man. That shit's killing me. But we'll see what happens, man. You know, I have faith in the town. It's just getting really big, so it kind of scares me. Like, the population and the downtown area is, like, becoming very metropolitan. So I kind of just... You know, I'm. I like my big city of L.A., but I'm used to it. They haven't. They're not pulling any punches. Like, there's definitely like a lot, like no music scene here at the moment, which I kind of like because, like, I don't know if you know Jonathan Tyler and the Northern Lights, but Jonathan Tyler lives here, and a lot of great artists live around here. Hellbound Glory, some really amazing bands. You know, I get to see them and hang out and, and work with them. And and lately, I've been working with a lot of local people too. That I that I really all the years I've been here kind of ran away from it and went other places, and now I'm really embracing the town I live. In. And so I'm really hoping that this town has a renaissance a little bit, which I think it's going to because the movie industry is tanking because of television. Uh, they've got like, you know, the Hills reality star 
thing that was going on for so long is kind of tanking because everyone wants like stuff like Duck Dynasty and Honey Boo Boo. So I think like <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see this town kind of start to make a renaissance, and I'm really hoping for it because there's so much beautiful history here. I feel like Charles Bukowski, who's one of my favorites, oh, and I feel yeah. like him on a daily basis. That's my Twitter avatar is him, and there's so much in John Fonte and stuff, such beautiful history in this town that I just absolutely am in love with. So I, I'm hoping that that wherever the hipsters go, they don't come back here and we start moving this town towards old school Hollywood musically and, and everything, you know. Dude, I love that so much, and I love that you brought up Bukowski. I'm a huge Bukowski fan from way back. And in fact, I just remembered, I wrote a song about Bukowski, man. I'd love to send that to you. Can I send that to you? Would that be cool? Oh, I would love that. I would love to hear that. Okay, cool. I'll definitely send it your way. I think you'll dig it. It's like, uh, could be could be like a big band tune. Anyway, yeah, Charles Bukowski, man, gotta love him. Did you ever see that documentary? I saw that at the Belcourt some years back. It was called Born Into This. Amazing documentary about his life. Did you see that? Yes. It was so good, dude. That was such a good, man, such a good documentary. I've also seen the other two films. There's the uh, the Barfly, of course, and then there's the one that has Matt Dillon plays him in it. It's called... Um, oh, I never saw that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Honestly, I fell asleep in it two times, but after I got through it, it, was, it is actually good. I mean, our label, our logo, we have a bunch of stickers and things that say Love is a Dog from Hell. Nice. That book is kind of our um, calling card. And just to clarify, I love Jack White's music. I love third man what they're doing but when we really launched bcr we went and left a note in jack white's mailbox that was a photograph of me and john and we both have met jack and love him but just for fun we wrapped it up on the inside of the front page of uh, love is a dog from hell and said <laughs> hey we're in town nice and uh you know we wanted to talk about a joint project at the time but it was kind of our announcement that we were in town and, and now like that book has become kind of our like we any artists that we work with we give them a copy of that book that we sign and sand it over to them and like it's just kind of our it's like our catcher in the rye or something and so we kind of always tie everything back to that book that we do with bcr i love bukowski man oh yeah man <laughs> you just gotta love him all right so let's see you're living in southern california and uh, you're married you have kids is that right I am married. I have two kids by by another woman, my ex, but uh, that's, you know, the best it possibly could be. And yeah. my wife and I, our old friends got married recently in the last couple of years. And yeah, man, we live over almost all the way to Echo Park. I have a studio in my house here. There's a studio down the street for me that I use to do all the live like drums and or record a live song. We do that all on tape. So I've finally got a situation where I can record and make music at any any point in time that I wish. And, and nice. I mix everything. And we have a guy named Gilkey Correo who lives in Malibu that's my mixing buddy and we have a little team here and what I really love that we did is we really moved completely into our own independence and we ship we used to use Topspin and this is another company that like takes all these percentages and charges you out the ass to have them fulfill orders and takes a cut of all those sales and hmm. we set up a warehouse and we set up a studio in the warehouse we set up a studio at my house we ship our own stuff and we're completely in control we're able to take our bitcoin and keep it and we can even pay our employees in Bitcoin. So that's so cool, man. I love to hear yeah. that. I love to hear that about that independence. And I really do think that that is the model for the future. You know, a future where more individuals have the freedom to own their own companies. And then, of course, and then, of course, to tie it all in back to Bitcoin, uh, individual companies like Uber and Lyft that are moving away from centralization, they're not decentralized, but they're moving in the direction of decentralized companies. I think this is the future, man. You're part of it. Yeah. The CEO of Uber is a big Bitcoin fan, I believe, from what I've read, or at least I would not doubt very soon if you'll be able to pay Uber right out of your uh, phone wallet and it'll be over with. Sweet, man. I'd love that. Yeah. That would be so yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, BitPay just introduced that point of sale system that's like at the near field communication. So, like, oh, yeah. you just tap that to be in an Uber and just be able to tap it against them and pay them and tip them. That's the end of it. Or, or, or I guess you prepay with Uber, but like even in the cab, just to be able to tap that, it'll happen, man. These services are coming around. People realize that they're going to get more business. I mean, dude. Because I took Bitcoin, it's like scratch my back, y'all scratch yours. Because I believe in Bitcoin and yeah. I took it for that song, Cryptocurrency News posted it and we got 150 sales that day just from that. Nice. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great money that we put right into an ad that we're taking out in a magazine for our stuff in Europe. Like you get paid on the dot, you know, because all these TuneCore and everybody, they, they pay you three months later for your stuff. So you don't have, you have no power. But with Bitcoin, you get paid that day and I can turn around and pay for advertising and I can turn around and pay for things for other artists that 
day. It just makes everything so easy. Well, it also makes a lot of sense. It's keeping the money in your pocket, right? And you're the content creator. So, hey, listeners, I have between eight and 10,000 listeners, guys and gals. I want you to check out this new single from Shooter Jennings. It's called Nashville from Afar. You can get it for 50 cents. That's 50% off the $1 price if you pay with Bitcoin. How can they find that, Shooter? bcrmedia.com it's right there on the front page and the other thing about it is that i thought was cool is that when you download it with bitcoin the actual album cover has a small black bitcoin logo on the bottom right hand corner on your phone so it indicates that you bought it with bitcoin it's right there bcrmedia.com and that we will have a whole you know bitcoin black friday section that will be popping up soon you'll be able to go to town and get almost everything at an insanely big discount if you use Bitcoin. So if anybody likes what we're doing, go there on a Black Friday. Nice, man. And that's Black Country Rock. That's BCR.com, right? BCRmedia.com. Okay, BCRmedia.com. All right, man. Great stuff. Hey, we've been listening to Shooter Jennings, musician, poet, radio host, record label president, and general all-around Southern rock and badass, and I might add, a heck of a really nice guy. Shooter Jennings, thank you so much for being on Bitcoins and Gravy. Man, thank you. This has been an awesome discussion, and I'll have Roger send you my email address on the Skype thing after we get done here, and stay in contact with me, you know, and hopefully we'll get to see each other when I come through Nashville. I'll I'll be coming through next year for sure if I don't come through before the end of the year, so. Sounds like a plan, man, and we'll go have that burger at Brown's Diner and a couple of ice-cold beers. Oh, I'm in. All All right, right, man. Thank you, man. What a great time, and thank you for uh, supporting us, you know? Hey, man, I believe in what you're doing out there, so keep on keeping on, brother. That's all I can say. Yeah, you bet, man. You bet we will. Thanks a lot, brother. You too, brother. All right, bye. Bye. I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word. And today's magic word is rock. R-O-C-K. I'd like to thank my guest on today's show, Shooter Jennings. Shooter, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to interview with Bitcoins and Gravy. I know the listeners loved every minute of it. And if you'd like to get in touch with Shooter, you can find him at Black Country Rock Media. That's bcrmedia.com. Go to the site, check it out. You'll like it. It's a great site. While you're there, you can use your smartphone or smart device to buy that single you heard on the show today. That's right, Nashville from afar. If you pay with Bitcoin, you'll get 50% off. That means you can get this great single right now as an MP3 sent right to you for only 50 cents worth of Bitcoin. I can't tell you what that is in Satoshi's. I'm not that smart. But anyway, check it out. Black Country Rock Media, bcrmedia.com. Black Country Rock is a multiple format recording company. That's right. You can go there and get everything from digital downloads to CDs, cassette tapes, and yes, even vinyl. You remember that? The black disc that spins around and makes sound. Man, I used to love that album art. How about that? Mmm, mmm, mmm. The good old days. The good old days are here again, folks. BCR Media. That's bcrmedia.com. Thanks again, Shooter, and we will be talking to you down the road. Take it easy, brother. To find out more about my guests and sponsors, check out the show notes on the Let's Talk Bitcoin page, on SoundCloud, or on bitcoinsandgravy.com. Thanks for tuning into the show, and if you really do like the show and you aren't just faking it, please tell your friends about it or send them a link to the show. And, of course, I offer a number of ways for you to download all of the past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from SoundCloud, or you can go to the website, which, of course, is bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review on SoundCloud. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great podcasts, articles, and links that can be found on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. I also thank you for your generous donations in Bitcoin or Litecoin that help me keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell. Say goodbye, Maxwell. (laughs) Wishing you all a great week. Y'all be good to each other out there now, and remember the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. (laughs) Portland was hot in the wintertime In the rain, in the tears That poured down my face 
Yeah. 